Ladies and gentlemen, hello. For the next hour, I aim to entertain and educate you about music and causes that enrich your life. A delicious mix of talking and music we call fun philanthropy or fun-lanthropy. Yep, I like to make up words. Where the desire to improve the welfare of others is combined with fun and music. I'm Rob Freed, and welcome to Band Central Radio, where we broadcast the fourth Monday of every month here on WPKN 89.5 FM, here in Bridgeport, and on your audio device of choice anytime you want to listen via WPKN podcasts and WPKN live stream on YouTube. Today you will meet singer, songwriter, vocalist Matt McNulty. Yeah. You will also meet Mark Donald from Ryasap and Carla Miklos from Operation Hope, who work very hard to help people get their basic needs met. Hello, Matt, Mark, and Carla. Good to have you here. Hey. Hey, Rob. Good morning. Well, we got a great show over the next uh, hour, and... um, I'm going to be interviewing each of our guests so you can kind of experience their, each of their slices of reality. But before we get to that, you know, I want to start with a, just a general panel discussion on the question, what do you see that gives you hope that we're making progress toward making Southern Connecticut a better place with, you know, greater well-being for more people? So why don't we? Why don't I start with you, Carla? Oh, thank you. Uh, so that's a great question. I think um, the kind of work that I do, working with hungry and the homeless, can really be um, a sort of a negative connotation. But for me, what I see is just the incredible amount of people who want to help, and I think part of our role is to give them a venue for service. So the number of people who want to do food drives or start thinking about these causes and maybe they haven't before. Um, and the number of volunteers that come out and really help us do our work. I think that's inspiring because it means that there's a sort of a wave of concern for others, and I think that's very positive. Right, right, right. And it's sort of, you know, there's hope on the side of the clients that you're serving. Exactly. But you're really talking about engaging the people that just want to be part of the cause, the mission. And and what that does for the people we serve is they recognize that somebody sees them as worthy, and that can really change a person's perspective. What do you got got going back there, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that is fascinating. Matt, any... uh, any thoughts from sort of your perspective as a working musician? And, you know, I know you you had moved away from Bridgeport for a while. You I were, did. You were down in the Philadelphia area. I but was. You, you chose to come back to Connecticut. I'm just sort of interested in, you know, with this lens of hopeful. What are you seeing that's hopeful? Uh, I'm seeing that the Connecticut music scene is probably like one of, is, if not the best in the local music scene, like the best in the country. Um, I, you know, before COVID, we didn't have places like Park City Music Hall. We had the acoustic, but, you know, since Park City has been renovated, um, and turned into just this beautiful venue, we get acts from all over the country, um, that necessarily wouldn't have been here before. And then we have places like FTC, the warehouse, stage one. Um, and it's just, you know, all the restaurants around here have music. So there's just constantly music happening around. So for me, when I saw all that happening, I just said, I have to get back to Connecticut and just get back. Cause I was 
was playing music here before I went to Philadelphia. And then I just, I knew I had to come back and it was the best decision I ever made. And what do you see, you know, like when you're spending time with audiences or musicians, what, what, you know, what do I see? I see, you know, I see a lot of happy people out there <laughs> because, they, you know, there is this new, you know, revitalized scene that's definitely happening in Southern Connecticut, um, which is just wonderful. Even up in Hartford's got a wonderful scene as well. Right. And, it, you know, it really is so important in a sense of, you know, if you think about it, say, from the governor's level, mm-hmm. right, tr- wanting to attract companies to come to Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Competing with Massachusetts or Maine or other places, one of the things that's going to be appealing is the enrichment of the life, the arts, the scene, the, and so uh, as well as the education and other things that would drive parents to want to settle here. Mm-hmm. And so I think Matt's putting his finger on something really important: having a vital scene where you you know you're looking forward to the weekend and catching some music. Yeah, not and- even the weekend anymore. You know, it, it's Tuesday all the way to Sunday now. <laughs> you know, Monday right. seems to be the only day off where there's no music. <laughs> right, right. And and open jams are a oh, thing yeah. now. You know, like, you know, thinking about WPKN listeners for a minute, we know they're very engaged with music of all types, mm. both and many are performers, right? Many, you know, many WPKN listeners are involved in a lot of caring functions and, uh, you know, so, you know, the opportunity to jam, you see open jams uh, where you can meet other players and uh, and some of those can be a lot of fun as well. Definitely. right? Definitely. Mark, how about, how about your perspective there over from Ryasap? You know, I appreciate the uh, the use of the words like vitality and, and awareness in regards to Southern Connecticut. And I think one of the things that gives me hope a little bit is through, uh, you know, the recent times, people become a lot more aware of some of the systemic issues that are are, in, are addressing and, and barriers to the population that both Carla and I serve. And so now people who traditionally weren't aware or would treat some of these issues as a, those people or them – uh, are now thinking, oh, wow, it's really our issue to, to try and collectively problem solve. And I think we're also realizing that we have an opportunity here. We, we have the skills. We have the know-how. Now, how do we apply that from a policy perspective? How do we apply it from a, an action perspective? And also an outcome and evaluation to see what's working and how can we get one more person, one more family, one more neighborhood to prosper as many others are prospering now. And, you know, we're going to get into this a little more in your, you know, individual interview, but you've been working in this field for quite a while with the urban, you know, education and so forth. Just coming back to this, this idea of hope, you know, what, what are you seeing just that gives you where you see the light coming through and you're seeing some hope that, that we're turning the corner, that, that things are, you know, I know you use the word vitality, but maybe give, give an example of something that's that, that's sort of striking you. Right. Yeah, no, I think hope is the ultimate positive four-letter word, right? He who yeah. has hope has everything, and he who doesn't has, you know, the blackness of vision um, that, that comes without that hope and that opportunity. And, and as we look to whether it's young people, whether it's older people, if you have hope, you're optimistic, you're, you're in a better situation. And with the rise of, of some of these mental health issues, right, where we're a little more aware of um, these things impacting, it's, well, all right, how can we be empathetic? How is it happening in our own backyard, right? That, that phrase just keeps coming up over and over. MB, right? No more NIMBY. It's MB. It is in my backyard. Mm-hmm. And how can we apply these things to the populations and communities that we serve? Yeah. Yeah, great. Um, 
Well, thank you, guys. Let's let's take a listen to a song featuring, you know, I wanted to pick out something with a summertime feel. I went back to one of my, my heroes from the roots, Taj Mahal. Uh, this song is called Further On Down the Road, not to be confused with the great blues tune that Eric Clapton made, Further On Up the Road. But uh, I'm going to play this for a second. If you haven't listened to Taj Mahal in a while, maybe, uh, you know, think about giving that a listen. In a moment, we're going to chat with Matt McNulty. Uh, but first, uh, let me remind you, you are listening to Band Central Radio here on WPKN 89.5 FM. I am Rob Freed, and I'm about to update you on Band Central. So Band Central is both a band and a foundation. And we will be performing 15 themed concerts in 2023 to help local nonprofits. And, you know, our shows feature amazing musicians, and we perform amazing shows. Each season, we do different styles of shows. And uh, we we do this for some amazing nonprofits. And I want to read you the name because I, I care about them so much, and, uh, and I love these people. Uh, the Kennedy Collective, Operation Hope, New Canaan Mounted Troop, Wolfgang and Company, Siri. That's the Connecticut Institute of Refugees and Immigrants, Sterling House Community Center, Mission, Thrive, CLASP, Children's Learning Centers, Center for Family Justice, Fairfield Theater Company, the Connecticut Audubon Society, Common Ground, the Cardinal Sheehan Center, and our very own WPKN. So we at Band Central, we stand ready to help local nonprofits and musicians thrive. Here are a couple of upcoming dates. This Saturday, <clears throat> we'll be playing in Greenfield Hill. Um, it's, an, it's a morning show. It's at the end of the Connecticut Challenge bike ride up in Greenfield Hill. Uh, for Mission, they provide online programs for cancer survivors. Very cool. And then on... September 7th, right after Labor Day, we're playing Rock for Hope. That's for Operation Hope, and it's going to be at Fairfield Theater Company Stage 1. And we'll be talking about this in a minute, but Operation Hope provides food and housing assistance for those in need. That is going to be an amazing show. And we've got uh, Joe Bouchard from Blue Oyster Cult who will be joining us for that uh, that performance. On uh, October 4th, we're going to play American Roots for the Connecticut Audubon Society, and that's going to be a house party. So you could be part of caring for Mother Nature right here in Connecticut. Come to that show. And then on October 20th, Friday night, we're going to have a rockin' Halloween bash for CLASP. CLASP provides homes and skills, life training for adults with developmental disabilities. That, again, will be at FTC Stage 1. So you can visit Experience Band Central. Dot com to sign up for our monthly newsletter, check on these tour dates, and follow us on Facebook uh, at Experience Band Central. Also, I play bass and sing in some groups with upcoming dates, and you can always check that out at robfreedmusic.com for the schedule. Hey, joining us now is Matt McNulty. I'm so excited to talk to Matt. I always get in a good mood when I'm around him. He's a, a guitarist and a vocalist for uh, Talk Pack Sound Systems, Host of Ghosts, and other musical endeavors. And 
I was thinking about what to say about Matt, and I saw him described uh, by someone online, and I'm just going to steal that, where they said, he's a great guy, very funny, very gifted, very talented, awesome vocals, as well as a guitar rock star. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) And And the cool thing about Matt, too, is that well, you know, Matt doesn't just play with one group. He plays with an ever-revolving cast of musicians that he's kind of curated around him. They're they're his friends, and uh, you know, and I fortunately get be part get to be part of that crew periodically. So, welcome, Matt. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. So, I want to start with like an obvious question. Sure. That that so why guitar and voice? Why not oboe or I can, as far back as I can remember, so my dad and my uncle are both musicians. Um, my dad, you know, he worked for Metro North over the years, but uh, every weekend, the guy played like four gigs, like four weddings to, you know, to support family and stuff like that. But I right, think right, to, right in this area? Yeah, in Fairfield County, New York City area. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, he, he did that, you know, all through the 80s and stuff like that. But growing up, you know, I, I was saying, uh, you know, every holiday, every everything kind of was like revolved around music in the end, you know. And I think I just saw it from there. And as long, far back as I can remember, you know, even before I could even touch the guitar, I just remember grabbing like tennis paddles and just like acting like I was playing guitar because that's what I saw, you know, all the time. And uh, I just, I think I was born to do it kind of thing. You know, it's like once I found it, once I felt it, that was it for me. So, so being around your dad, kind of him modeling that. Yeah. And like, and just watching the two of them perform at like every, you know, and then watching my dad perform with all the bands that he was in over the years and stuff like that. It was just a con music was just such a constant. And you know, I just, what's what I realized that that's what interested me. That's the only thing I could ever think about. And then, you know, guitar specifically, um, anything about, I think it's the image. (laughs) It's the image. No, you know, one thing is certainly the portability. The biggest rock stars are definitely guitar players. The biggest rock stars are. (laughs) Right, right. So, so you set your set your sights pretty high there. Yeah. But uh, you know, one thing you realize is that some of these instruments you can't port the instruments around. You know, drums. uh, I can't play any other instrument. (laughs) I've tried. Trust me. Over the years. (laughs) Um. So you know, I am kind of curious about. Uh, you play in different musical configurations. Some of it's cover music. Some of it's exploring originals. Mm-hmm. What What is getting you, you know, right to the present moment now, Matt McNulty today, what is getting you most inspired? Um, you know, it's the people that I get to play with. You know, um, I do a lot of... Most of my work is cover work at the moment. Um, I'm actually going into the studio in October to record my originals for the first time um, Mm -hmm. with members of Goose and like the special and stuff like that, which will be really cool. Um, And I think that is what's going to kind of, you know, launch me into my own like, you know, I haven't done that yet. And I've always been on my own entity. I've always there's always just been Matt McNulty and friends. You know, I've never really been part of like a band per se. Um, and I love and I love playing with other people because that's really what gets me going. You know, I'm fortunate to play with guys like Tim Palmieri from Lotus and Mike Greenfield from Lotus and just the guys from the Disco Biscuits. So it's like I've gotten to play with my heroes over the years and I can't believe I'm in the same room with them or the same stage at the same time. Um, so that's really what inspires me to keep going. And there's something to playing with musicians that you admire that are really challenging. Yeah, that's, I think that's how you become better. It's because, you know? and there's something that 
almost like in the music education, there's an osmosis thing. You, it's hard to say, oh, I learned this lick. Right. But it's everything from stage presence to being relaxed while you're playing to how you deliver a song, right? Yeah, it, absolutely. All... You know, when I first started performing, it, it was, you know, you, you definitely had that little element of stage fright. You know, the first, you know... 100 gigs you play or something, maybe, you know, and I think I just kind of realized that once I was on a stage, it was the safest place I could ever be. And that's where I always wanted to be. So it's like, you know, I feel like a switch kind of turns off for most musicians out there, you know, who do this professionally, you know, they come in, they get on that stage and just something clicks. And then, you know, you're able to perform at your level, whatever that is. Yeah. yeah, so so tell us a little bit about, you know, like your music project. That's kind of exciting that you're October. Are, do, have you picked a so, studio? Or yeah, you yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to Gary's Electric Studios in Greenpoint. Uh-huh. Um, I got two weekends booked to get four or five originals out. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm really looking those forward to. I've got a bunch of songs I've written over the years. And kind of the hardest part about this process is picking which ones that I want to actually do. Um, and, you know, get them out. Uh, there won't be much of a rehearsal beforehand um, because I want to kind of bring the ideas. I have fortunately have full days at a studio, so I kind of have the time. So I want to bring in the ideas and then let these guys who I trust help me create this music. It's funny because a lot of music that we love was not really rehearsed. Like when you think about the most famous jazz album of all time, Kind of Blue, mm-hmm. right, Miles Davis? That's just happens to be what they sounded like on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And if they went totally. in and hit the, right? Absolutely. If they recorded on Wednesday, that great Miles Davis solo that we know to Freddie the Freeloader right. would have been a different solo. You Absolutely. Know, the one, <laughs> so, so there's something. And then why is it that everybody says, you know, they'll do 15 takes, but the first two takes, you know, it's something when they first encounter the music. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, it's it's funny you say something like that because mostly in my career, there's never a rehearsal and, you know, Talkback Sound System is a 10 person band. Um, So there literally isn't a rehearsal until soundcheck. Uh, So tell, tell us about Talkback Sound System. I know I've, I haven't seen you yet. Okay. uh, You prefer it perform, you perform at, you know, larger venues because oh, yeah. it's a large band. Yep. What What's the concept of that? So the concept of TalkPack Sound System is we're Talking Heads, Wolfpack, and LCD Sound System mashed into one thing, um, basically taking a jam band approach um, where, you know, I like to improvise on a lot of the tunes where, you know, the original guys wouldn't necessarily. But it's like, you know, it's where I get guys like Tim Palmieri and Mike Greenfield and the guys from Disco Biscuits to actually come out. It's my bigger project where I can get these guys to come out. Um, it kind of started as a joke. <laughs> the, the acoustic, like five or six years ago, was like, <laughs> hey, put together one of your mashup projects. And like that one just kind of stuck. So, you know, it's kind of where I've taken it the most far. So I'm kind of hoping that people know who I am now that when my original music comes out, like, oh, the guy from Talkback Sound System, <laughs> you right, know, he's right. oh, he's actually doing something. You know, he's got something going on. So uh, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Right. And, and it seems like you like and, and, and I'm, I'm just speaking off the cuff here. It seems like you like music that has a classic, organic, uh, almost Americana feel, though you also like to fuse that. Oh, yeah. With, oh, you know, I'll phrase it as almost like a Steely Dan, you know, a precision uh, an occasional musical surprise. Sure. Right. I, you know, I really, a lot of compliments I get about my shows is that they're extremely high energy and that's kind of all I really want it to be, you know, from the start to the finish, I want it to be just, well, not like blow your face off essentially, but I want you to be engaged. And, and that's, I think that's what I've been able to do best. Um, 
And, you know, that's kind of what I think has propelled me and, you know, into the world of professionalism, you know, stuff like that. Well, I, I saw a photo. I think Carla might might have seen it, too, uh, or, or somebody mentioned um, of your birthday party bash at Park City <laughs> yeah. Music Hall. Yeah. And there was one photo that the place was totally packed. Like, who fills Park City because they're throwing a birthday music party? Yeah, I'm very fortunate party. enough Matt to have McNulty. the support of BlackRock. <laughs> Yeah, so t- speaking of such, tell us what shows do you have coming up that listeners should know about, and also why we're at it. How can people get in touch with you, find you? Okay. Uh, well, you can easily find me on Facebook. You can find me on YouTube. Quick Google. You'll find most of my music stuff. Um, shows coming up. Talkback Sound System is playing Ride Bread Festival this weekend, um, which is up in Shattuck, New York, uh, right in between Albany and Saratoga. Um, and then Talkback will be at Park City Music Hall on uh, September 8th. And then we'll be doing um, a benefit for Sloan Kettering on uh, September 9th in Mount Kisco. So you can buy tickets to both of those. And, uh, yeah, on the Park City website. And then this, the Sloan Kettering benefit will be announced sometime this week. So you'll Great. be able to get tickets for that. Great. And, um, and again, w- what website can they go to? Um, they can find me on Facebook usually is the, is the best way. To, the yeah, Topic Sound System, Host to Go, still find me, Matt McNulty Music. Right. Yeah, not, if, I'm not too hard to find. <laughs> if you, if you, for any reason you can't find Matt, just reach out to Band Central. There you go. Reach out to me, and I'll I'll make the connection. Hey, can we play something live sure. in the studio? Love Good. that. Yeah. All right, cool. We're gonna um, reach. Gonna pick up uh, an acoustic guitar, and I'm just gonna put this point this down at Matt's guitar here for a minute. All right. Well, that was Matt McNulty, and. Uh, now going to hear him and I, Rob Freed. We've got a couple of acoustic guitars here. We're just playing live in the studio. We're going to play a little blues that the, uh, well, you want to introduce the song, Matt? Sure. This is a little deep bell and blues, which I'm pretty sure a traditional tune. No, but I think the Grateful Dead kind of made it a little, made it their, uh, made it their own. Right. I think that's why we're going to do it, you know? That's how we're going to do it. <laughs> One, two, three, four.
That was Matt McNulty. Joining us now is Mark Donald. He's the executive director of RIASAP, which is the Regional Youth Adult Social Action Partnership, which we're going to call RIASAP for the rest of this program. And Mark's been involved in, you know, urban alternative education and community since 2000 when he was in Hunts Point in the Bronx. Uh, he's also been in, you know, New Haven, Stanford, and Bridgeport. Mark was the founding member and principal of the John V. Lindsay Wildcat Academy and has served as a mental health chair for Hunt Point, Hunts Point Alliance for Children, a collective impact organization de- dedicating to improving the Hunts Point Bronx community. He has also served as the principal for Domus Academy, the only alternative middle school in New Haven. In his prior position as director of strategy and innovation for Domus Kids, Mark was responsible for uh, developing external partnerships, school strategy, data integration, and fundraising. Welcome, Mark. Good to be here. Great. Hey, tell us a little bit more about yourself in terms of how, how did you evolve to where you are doing what you're doing in life? Yeah, thanks. I mean, it's been uh, an interesting journey, and uh, hopefully my kids aren't listening because they might hear about my disciplinary record in, uh, in middle school <laughs> and, and maybe young high school um, as, as I try and guide them through. But I, I kind of was uh, one of those kids that was uh, probably qualified as ADHD before ADHD became a, a thing. And uh, I struggled a lot with uh, teachers who weren't pushing me hard enough and weren't weren't interesting. And I still even remember thinking in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, um, wow, I would never teach this like this. I would teach it like that. And if you would have asked me up until the age about 23, 24, if I would be a teacher, I would have said no way. And then as my life progressed, it kind of became a natural thing. And even today, I kind of identify as a teacher. And when I grow up, I want to be a teacher. But uh, through that, I, uh, you know, became a, a teacher in the South Bronx and uh, in Hunts Point, which uh, at the time, the 41st Precinct was the toughest precinct in, the, in wow. New York City. And uh, working with some really, really tough kids who kind of hadn't been served right by society, quite frankly. Um, our school was set up for kids who hadn't succeeded in, uh, in whatever uh, form that was, whether they were kicked out, whether they dropped out, whether they just stopped going. And it was really interesting because there we had the opportunity to form really intimate relationships with the kids. Um, you know, some of them were teen parents and their kids called me dad, right? Some of them were, you know, unfortunately, I was going out in the neighborhood hunting them down. And I think about, you know, two of, two of the first kids, Derek, right? Derek was a six foot two, 
um, young man from Hunts Point, a gifted basketball player. And uh, he would write his compositions. And in his compositions, he would write his Bs with an arrow going up and his Cs with an arrow going down. And they were these brilliant compositions. <clears throat> and so finally, I just I, I said, Derek, why do you do these to your Bs and your Cs? And he just looks at me and goes, Mr., you don't know. And so I said, you're right, I don't. That's why I'm asking. You're an amazing writer. We need to find you scholarship money for athletics and academics because you're an amazing writer. Mr., you don't want to know. So he never told me, but I did my research. Well, the B going up means blood, Ah. right? The C going down means crip, right? He was a blood through and through. And Mm. I think about him and, and the potential that led him and Unfortunately, uh, Derek did not graduate, and uh, I, I was never able to find him again. I would walk around the streets of Hunts Point, go to the commonly planned basketball, and I, I never had contact with him. So, you know, when you see potential like Derek, who is making choices because of the survival instincts of the neighborhood or because the gangs are doing a better recruiting job than we are to our academic institutions or even athletic institutions. Um, You know, we have a a society have failed. So I think, you know, taking that experience and then over time, you know, developing these relationships, still have these, you know, kids. They're not so much kids anymore, but they have kids who are going to college. And I'm thinking that's what it's about, right? How can we do better as a society? And that's why, you know, I never, I'm a teacher. I'm not a policy wonk. You know, I I want to be a better executive director than I am, but I'm still a teacher. And how can we learn from the mistakes we're making and um, get a little better every day? Yeah, we're talking to Mark Donald from Ryasap. Um, Yeah, that's very revealing that you mentioned, you know, people might think of you now in your career as an executive director. And what do executive directors do? They answer emails and go to... (laughs) go to meetings and call donors. But no, you were a guy that was tracking students down in the streets to, to, to find them, to care for them, you know? Yeah, did a, did a lot of home visits, knocked on a lot of doors, um, you know, unfortunately broke up some fights in the neighborhood. Um, you know, things like that. Again, at the end of the day, as, as you think about it and you develop these relationships, right, they become more than just a teacher-student relationship. You know, pretty darn close to a, to a child-family relationship. Yeah. And even when my kids were younger, I would take them to the school for our Thanksgiving things, and they would all look after them. Never was a doubt in my mind that, oh, you know, Mr. D, as I was known, he he kicked me out of class, so I'm going to hurt his kid. There was that was never a question in my mm-hmm. mind because the relationships were so strong, and, and a lot of thing, you know that that um, what we call you know other people call urban kids, right, or kids growing up in in inner city, they are gifted at knowing people, right? They yeah. are gifted at at determining who is real, who is not genuine. And who has their best interest at heart. And, and I hope that's why I was able to develop relationships. Yeah, well, I'm sure, you know, Matt and Carla and I, as we're listening to you, we're thinking about the teachers in our lives that made a big difference. Or even as Matt describes his father, you know, and the impact it had on him. I'm sure you were one of those teachers for them. Uh, let's let's uh, fast forward to present moment, though. Tell us about 
you know, Ryasap, because I, I want our WPKN listeners, whether they're, you know, walking their dog now at lunch or driving on 95, I want them to come away from this interview feeling like they, they got to know this nonprofit that's right here in our community and understand what the, you know, the work that you're doing. Well, I, I love that, you know, I had to, I love and hate that I had to follow the, the jamming between you and uh, and Matt over here. It was, it was fantastic to watch. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Um, but, I, and, you know, I think about Ryasap and like we're almost like the ultimate jam band, right? And we can go into communities and, and make music with the community, right? We, we very much, it's a level relationship. We're not going anywhere and saving communities, right? We're, we're leveraging the strengths of the community. We're leveraging our strengths. Give a, give a couple examples. Yeah. I, I want to just, what, you, sure. what is it that some of the things that you do? Sure. So, um, you know, I think one good example, and I don't want to call out the community, but um, one of our uh, wealthier communities experienced a rash of, of young, uh, young suicides, right? Uh-huh. And that's tragic at any level. And uh, so we went in and we trained the entire school district uh, personnel on youth mental health first aid. Right. The entire school district we trained. And let me tell you, it was intense. People knew some of those young people who died by suicide. And, you know, I had to give my crew who did the training a couple of days off to recover mentally. Wow. Right. But we trained an entire school district. <clears throat> right. We also we partner with local housing uh, leaderships like PT Partners. Right. They're developing leadership in public housing and we're working on gun violence together. We're doing community-based participatory research. What is that? We're asking them how we solve gun violence in the community. Mm -hmm. They experience it on a daily basis. And we're taking, like, our street safe team, and we're working with young people who are already engaged in gun violence, and we're getting them to put down the guns. Right. We're reengaging them using different techniques. Uh, We use credible messengers, people who have made mistakes in their past and probably serve time. But they have instant credibility with these young people who are about to pick up a gun or maybe already have. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to get them before they make a decision that's going to cost them their life, whether it's incarceration or a murder victim. And, and we try and uh, prevent that. So, you know, I just mentioned going into a wealthy community and training them. I just mentioned going into a community that's impoverished in public housing. And we're working with those communities to try and make them healthier. Now, is it mostly the staff that you work with or like as Carla was mentioning when she was talking about the, the services they provide for the homeless, she was mentioning being very inspired by volunteers, people that want to be involved in helping with the cause, um, is mostly what you do implementing this army and the staff, or do you are there also people who volunteer who become part of this movement with you? Sure. Yeah, I mean, we work with everybody, including other executive directors, right? We don't do direct service with mental health, right? We don't do food support, um, you know, directly. We will do it occasionally, but we don't have the infrastructure or the expertise. So we have mm-hmm. to work with Carla yeah. if we're we're going to try and feed communities in mass. We have to work with Michael Patota at uh, Child and Family Guidance to get young people direct therapeutic skills. Um, but we also, we have social emotional learning, restorative justice ambassadors. That's kids in the schools. Mm. We're developing in that infrastructure. We have trained school security guards. We've trained the police in restorative justice, restorative mm. practices. So, you know, I think it's wherever we can lend our expertise to build a stronger community. Um, but it also goes a lot with leadership. You know, we've been fortunate to have uh, good relationships with chiefs of police, with mayors, uh, first selectmen, um, 
uh, boards of ed. We just did restorative justice training last week with uh, administrators in Fairfield Public Schools. So if you're if you're listening now, I want you to know that you're listening to Mark Donald, and he's the executive director of RIASAP. And R- RIASAP is this regional youth adult social action partnership. So how if people want to get involved and learn more, how can they do that? What, what would be some of the ways people say, that sounds really cool what that guy was talking about. I want to I want to check it out. Sure. So um, uh, the website, social media, R-Y-A-S-A-P, Ryasap.org is, is um, a good way to find us. Um, you know, we're only a, a website or an email reach out away. Um, would love to hear um, from folks, and you know, what again, would be some of the things that volunteers might be able to get involved in, just as you know, examples. Yeah, I, I think there's uh, we have a, a what's called a youth diversion team now, where we have a community panel that works with young people who have committed misdemeanors and keeps them out of the court system. Mentors um, them. We have a lot of um, uh, events where we try and bring awareness. Um, through, you know, some good places to go would be the hubct.org, which is mm-hmm. um, one of our programs, the Hub um, Regional Behavioral Health Action Organization, which is a long winded way of we're trying to bring a well awareness, capacity building to mental health, substance abuse, and suicide prevention. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of events trying to bring awareness and uh, really show folks that, that there's opportunities for everyone, volunteers, professionals, yeah. you know, from 5 to 55, you know, 5 to 85, really. Well, great. Thank you, Mark. And, and I you. encourage everybody to check out uh, the org website. Uh, joining us now is Carla Miklos. Is it? It's not Miklos. It's, no, Mi- it's Miklos. And uh, I, I know that, and uh, but, you know, I'm allowed to have a cognitive moment. It happens. Uh, she's the executive director of Operation Hope. And Carla has been, you know, on this quest to end chronic homelessness in Connecticut for some time, working to change the way homeless individuals and families are served in Fairfield and across the region. She joined Operation Hope in 2007. That's That's a long time in this in this world. It is. And <laughs> hopefully your board members are not listening. Working for, uh, you know, prior to that, she worked at the Connecticut Housing Finance Authority as the manager of the residential lending division. And so she's this long-term advocate for affordable housing, which we do not have in Connecticut, homeless prevention and economic opportunity. Opportunity. She was instrumental in creating a community development financial institution focused on providing Access to savings, credit, and cap and capital—you know, basically money for underserved populations. So, I'm going to start with the same question. You know, Mark described how he ended up in the lane that he's in. You know, mm-hmm. related to the kind of student he was. Matt described how being around his family—you know—he was not going to go to law school. Watching his dad play guitar like that, right. <laughs> and. So why, why, how did you become a leader and a homeless advocate? So, uh, yeah, that's an interesting story, but I'll try to boil it down. Um, I, my parents were kind of social justice advocates, and they were um, uh, fighting for civil rights. And then later they were a little bit part of the anti-war movement, and they were kind of steeped in this um, sort of uh, 
social justice Catholicism, and then later they moved on from that. So I was always around a lot of people with with um, some really committed thoughts about how to change the world. But myself, I thought that um, I was going to be a fashion designer. So I went to school for fashion design, and then um, I ended up getting a job in a bank, and I worked for many years in the finance industry. The last seven years that I worked in finance, I worked in asset recovery, which was basically purchasing defaulted portfolios and selling them to investment bankers. And a big piece of that was real estate. And I started to learn a lot about eviction and foreclosure and the devastation that happens in communities. And I started thinking, here's my opportunity. I can go and work in my community and I can help people who are on the wrong side of the economic divide cross over. I can, I can teach. I can create programs. And so I had a great opportunity to do that. I went to work for... Um, what is now LifeBridge, but back then was Family oh, yeah. Services Woodfield, and they had a fledgling homeless prevention loan program. And they didn't know how to run, run a loan program, but I did. So I went to work for them for probably a third of what I was making in the financial industry, but I just was I had an idea. And at that time, they were creating these community mm. development financial institutions, and that was a U.S. Treasury-designated opportunity for people to get financial education and learn a lot about capital and credit and get access to those tools. So I started the first IDA program in Connecticut, which was individual development accounts. They're match savings programs. Mm. And I did one at Bassett High School, and that was for students starting in their sophomore year. They would save $30 a month. They would come to my classes, and I would teach them about healthy relationships or um, positive credit use and things like that. Mm. And when they graduated, we matched it three to one so they could go to college. I also ran an IDA program for first-time home buyers to help people start to build wealth. And I ran a really killer um, boot camp for entrepreneurs, for micro-entrepreneurs. So women that were braiding hair in the kitchen, somebody who was cleaning offices, one-person shop, helping them with the same kind of program and then using that for seed money for their business. You know, the thing, you're, you're hitting a hot button for me, which is this idea that one of the ways to help people is this microfinance idea where don't just give them... Yeah. A handout, but give them something where if they do their part and they keep their word, then more more is coming. And there's many nonprofits like Grameen and people that are, yeah. you know, on a big scale doing things. But I love that part of your story, how I'm going to teach you these things. If you do them, there's more coming right. for you. Do you know that I just read there's a report that came out about the well-being of Connecticut um, housing expense is something like 50% of the average person's income. Now, I know the math from having studied economics. It needs to be closer to 25 to 30 in order for people to have money to pay for daycare, groceries, all the other things, 50. So we do have a, a, it is one of the problems we have here in Connecticut that is needs to be solved, you know, systematically from all these different directions. What, what is the state, uh, Carla, of hunger and homelessness in our community here? Well, let me start with the homelessness issue because there's so many variables that go into it, but you just touched on one, which is the affordability crisis. Bridgeport used to be sort of the community in Fairfield County where people still thought they could afford an apartment. Right. Now you would need to earn about $30 an hour um, at a 40-hour-a-week job in order to afford a, a one-bedroom apartment in Bridgeport. So what's happening is you'd have to work several jobs 
full-time in order to maybe afford that apartment and probably not in the best place or the safest place to raise your family. So what's happening is uh, landlords, uh, especially during COVID, this happened. A lot of people got out of the rental business. Larger companies started taking over these apartment buildings and buying up property. They're out of t- they're out of state. They do not have any personal relationships with any of us, and they're jacking up the rent prices where they're beyond. You would be amazed. Yeah, you'd be lucky to find a one bedroom apartment in Bridgeport for under fourteen fifty a month. That's a lot in Bridgeport, right? So you get into a three bedroom apartment, you're talking twenty six hundred dollars. Are are there programs to provide people with assistance for that? Like where you do your, you know, like we were saying, you put up your part a thousand bucks a month, and we have programs that'll cover the rest. I don't know. Well, the biggest equalizer is Section Eight, right? Yeah. Section Eight people like to run away from it, but all that Section Eight does is make sure that the landlord gets a fair rent, and the person pays thirty percent of their income for rent. It's fair for both. Okay. And so that's really the way it really works. It and happens. so that's how we really ended chronic homelessness for a time and ended veteran homelessness was by um, repurposing Section 8, making uh, relationships with landlords and then getting people off the street a lot faster than if we tried to build our way out of it. Um, but now times are changing and I think affordable housing is a critical component and people have to start looking at it as housing of opportunity and, and being... Uh, kind-hearted about it instead of running away from it because uh, what would our community be like without the people who sustain us you know first responders school bus drivers the person who cuts your hair your starbucks clerk everyone deserves the right to a home a safe place to live maybe not in your neighborhood but somewhere safe somewhere affordable where they can live with dignity we're listening to Carla Miklos from uh, Operation Hope. She's the executive director there, and you're listening to Band Central Radio here on WPKN. Um, so, do you want to? Did you want to continue on and talk about the hunger part of the question, or do you want to maybe even just talk about Operation Hope more generally? You know, we have a few minutes here. I'd like people to get a sense for um, what is it that are your priorities now, oh, sure. and, and how can people get involved. So we do everything from homeless outreach, going out and looking for people who are homeless, uh, to permanent supportive housing, which is housing that um, is affordable and comes with clinical case management. Hmm. So there's a variety of things that we do. I have a large staff, 35 amazing people that work for us. Uh, Many of them are social workers or have a human services background. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically, that's another inspiring thing about my job is to see these people use their talent and their education to help others. You know, so so we do a lot, but it's it's a challenging thing to do because uh, we're state and federal uh, contractors, but those state and federal contracts cost us money. <laughs> to, yeah. So we've got to raise money all the time to keep up and make sure that we can deliver. Um, but we're doing a lot. And um, I think the hunger piece, what's really interesting is during COVID, people really cared about other people eating. And it brought this sort of energy around donating yeah. and, you know, that kind of thing. So now I think we're in kind of a little bit of a lull there. And I just want to remind people that, you know, you see the prices. Nobody has to tell you how expensive food is. So for people on the margin, it's really, really difficult. And, you know, that, that can of beans or that box of cereal that your kids don't eat anymore, you just bought two boxes, drop it off at a food pantry. It makes all the difference in the world. 
Great, great. So um, we have an event coming up. We sure do. Um, Carla also loves live music. And in addition to doing a wonderful gala that they do every year in the spring, they do, they're do they doing a fall concert with us. You want to talk about that concert, Rock for Hope? Yeah, it's so exciting. And it's coming up on September 7th. So get your tickets. We're going to be at FTC Stage 1. Right. You can go to fairfieldtheater.org and you can get the tickets right online there. Yeah. Very easy. And they're reasonably priced. And uh, it's it's going to be great. It's, go- it's going to be a great time. So we've been really fortunate to do a couple of concerts over the years with Rob and his friends. And uh, it's been great. Band Central has been wonderful to us. And this this uh, concert is sort of like a, a retrospective of all different types of rock throughout the ages. And so come out and rock for hope. We're looking forward to seeing you. Exactly. Exactly. So um, guess what? When you hear this music... That means we're in our closing segment. It's been so great to have uh, all you guys listening here. Um, if you uh, you want to g- email me, you can uh, at refried at optonline.net, or you can sign up for our newsletter by visiting experience, experiencebandcentral.com. I want to say thank you to uh, Audrey Neforis, Paula Murphy, Andy Cadison, and our guests, guitarist, vocalist Matt McNulty, Ryasap Executive Director Mark Donald, and Operation Hope Executive Director Carla Miklos. Um, hey, what was your favorite part of the show today? And it, it had Mark? to be the jam session. Yeah. Oh, good the stuff. little blues? Yeah, man, that was yeah. fantastic. Ditto. Um, Thank you. <laughs> nice. And how about you, Matt? Any takeaways I, from yeah, Matt? Matt I, just, Matt just, uh, you know, he he kept his word. He just uh, <laughs> arrived this morning from a red eye from a weekend in Vegas yeah. with uh, uh, he, he was dutifully attending a bachelor party, That's but uh, he did arrive on time and he uh, knocked it out of the park uh, both on this interview. But any takeaways from this experience today? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's great to it's great to meet you guys. Absolutely. Um, and it, it's cool to hear how you know there is a lot you know the operation. There's a lot of hope here. You know, people really do want to help each other. And uh, I kind of felt a little out of place because you guys are doing so much. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm just out there playing music. But, uh, no, I really enjoyed meeting the two of you. It's fun. No, you know, that's why we bring the musicians together with the nonprofits. Because, Matt, you know, you and I know that what we're doing, the joy uh, that we spread through music is really important. It's, you know, you and I were talking about how it's medicine. Absolutely. Because we're both sitting here a little stiff from a Monday morning. <laughs> the minute we picked up our instruments and started singing, we felt much better. Much better. <laughs> better than the coffee I had. <laughs> how about Carla? Any any uh, takeaway thoughts from just the uh, the morning here together? I guess it's just that we're so lucky that there are so many p- committed people like Mark and and uh, so many talented musicians like Matt. It's just we're so fortunate to be in this community, and there's so many people that can help each other out, whether it's by lifting spirits or by doing some heavy lifting. And I think, you know, we're fortunate. We're at it. We're at a, a change certainly in time, but I think it's going to be a positive change. Oh, that's fantastic! Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we're going to pass this over to to Rick Patron for some wonderful jazz. Please tune into our next show on Monday, August 28th. Take good care.